0: Are you nervous?
1: Um, a little bit, but I think I'm. Uh, I don't know what I am. Oh my gosh, <laughs> I am. I am surrendering to the universe's intentions for me and for this podcast.
0: Well, intentions. I mean you came on this podcast to share your story of overcoming and healing and your journey and everything that surrounds that. And that's not an easy step. It's something that is very difficult for a lot of people. Um, it can be extremely emotional and uh, I don't know. It just, it's very difficult for a lot of people to do, to put their story into words and to get their story across the way that they want to get it across mm-hmm. so I guess going back what is your your healing journey like what has it been like
1: um, as
0: far as like emotions and not necessarily the process but how is it how has it impacted you we'll start there
1: um my Healing journey has impacted me um, by helping me um, recognize that the past does not lo- no does not any longer need to um, hurt me or um, I can I can learn from it and grow from it. So I. I don't know. That's a really big question that like includes everything. (laughs) My whole healing journey is a lot of things.
0: It's a lot of things. But I guess what I was trying to ask is how by going through this healing journey, by going through all the the whole process, what does your life look like now?
1: Oh, that's a little bit easier. Um, I would say now my life looks empowered and I feel... um, I feel that I've really learned to let go of control. As I was telling you earlier, you know, being a victim of abuse from my childhood, I feel like I became kind of a control freak early on and and tried to micromanage every little thing in my life that I could control. And I did that as a young adult and it is a stressful way of being and I've learned to surrender and I've learned to soften, and I've learned to um, find more ease in my life, and to treat myself with loving kindness and respect, and all the things that I that I want, how I want to be treated. I've learned um, that it all comes from within, and that it's not just about. Oh well, this person's not treating me right, and I'm a victim. No, it's all about well, how do I treat myself? How do I view myself, and therefore other people follow suit because they can sense that they sense.
0: Yeah, it's like a sense of like um confidence. When people can see that you are a strong person, they then treat you the same way.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I feel I've come a really long way. Um, I've also let go of a lot of the self criticism that I. I used to have um, I find now that you know I, sp- I speak to myself in my head with gentle kindness and and love and compassion and and sometimes I do criticize myself and say oh you shouldn't have done that and then I and I go back and I say it's okay you're human I'm human it's okay <laughs> yeah I accept that I'm human and I will never be perfect and um so to have that grace and that you know to that acceptance that self acceptance um, has really helped me to find more peace in my mind and in my life.
0: That's important for a lot of people because so many people are going through life like with all this trauma that they've acquired through their whole lifetime and they allow it to affect their entire life, whether, you know, their relationships, their business relationships, their their work life, their, I mean, they're emotionally affected by it and just an event, it's a, it's a cycle that just, keeps perpetuating itself
1: it's true and if you don't recognize that it it starts within that that we are manifesting our own reality from what's going on in our head in our body um, when we don't recognize that we can feel like the victim and the victimhood will keep repeating itself and it's the the triggers the things that trigger our trauma Um, we'll keep getting more and more because it's the, I believe it's the universe trying to show us, Hey, you still haven't worked through this trauma. Look at it. You got to look at it. You got to feel those feelings. You got to let them process. And you know, it helps to have a therapist and it helps to have someone to walk you through it. Um, but I do think that it's going to keep getting triggered until you are able to really confront it. And that's scary, you know, just like confronting any fear. It's scary, but it's essential to break free of it. I believe.
0: Um, what is the one thing that you've done in, in your, in your healing journey, your recovering journey that has been the most significant? Like, was it like, cause, cause for me, like overcoming my, my past trauma for me, the one thing that helped me the most was probably working out. And I didn't even know it at the time. I'm just like, man, working out sucks. But then it was something that I, I had to where I could put like my frustrations, my anger, towards something. And it, it almost like started my healing journey in a sense.
1: Yeah. I Um, think, I think yoga started my healing journey. Um, when I was 28, I started taking yoga classes and I knew I felt like something was kind of missing in my life. I had three young kids at the time. My daughter was a baby. Um, and I, I definitely felt kind of empty inside there was something really missing but I didn't know what and I but I took a yoga class and it was very therapeutic it was it brought me peace and I love the physical aspect of it too that it it releases endorphins whatever Mm -hmm. it makes you feel good but but that um quieting of the mind and that breathing deeply and slowly helped me to soften that was the first time I think I really found a way to soften and find ease and find peace in my mind and it was beautiful and I cried and I was just like wow I need more of this and uh, within a year I signed up for teacher training even though I had no intention of being a teacher I just wanted to learn more about this wonderful art um, which I did and that was a really cool um, process going through the training with other students you know on their own journeys and um, sharing with each other and growing together and Um, yeah, meditating and, and, um, yeah. And I had done some meditating. I meditated with my, uh, my last two children when they were born, when I was in childbirth and labor, labor and delivery, I did like self, uh, hypnosis, which is basically like meditation. I, but I had like a recording that I had, um, recorded for myself to listen to and then just music. And it just helped me to get into a deeper state of mind so that I wasn't experiencing that full pain. Um, did it Did it work? Yeah, it really did, especially with Taylor. He was the first one because I practiced meditating every day up until the delivery. And so I was good at, you know, getting into a deeper state of mind very quickly. And um, it was really helpful. It's not that I didn't feel any pain, but I felt detached from it. Um, and I didn't feel like I needed drugs. I, I didn't use any painkillers. Wow. and. Um yeah I just breathed deep through it until it was time to push and then I was feeling pain but not as much as I did with my first child um when you know cuz it kind of escal- escalates escalates you right, know um, right. throughout the labor it's just like it gets more and more intense and then you're just like okay give me the fucking drops <laughs> <laughs> sorry it's a bad word no you can swear oh okay I swear all the time oh okay <laughs> Um, it,
0: that goes to speak for the authenticity, right? Like when you're able to say things like that. Because I mean, it's like just two individuals having a conversation. True. So like if you were to censor yourself, it just seems weird.
1: Okay, good deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, so yeah, yoga and meditation were two really big ways for me to learn to, to um, start to, to have, to start to reprogram. The trauma had programmed, you know, this, all these voices in my head, self-criticism, feeling less than I am, you know, like not, I don't want to say worthless, but worth less than I really am worth. Um, And, you know, feeling angry or sad and, you know, just all these feelings that would come up in my life, which I didn't recognize as being from my past from my trauma you know it was at that time I didn't know what it was from I just knew I wasn't really that happy and um but yoga and meditation were two of the really big avenues and then I started um I have had therapists I think that was another thing that was pretty helpful for me it's hard to just say one but I guess if I had to say one it would be yoga um but I also journal pretty regularly and that's really helpful for me too I think um I used to find myself like back in high school This is a long time ago, but I used to find myself complaining a lot to my friends and you know, like here's my drama, you know? And, and do you, then do it's, you think
0: you were like seeking help or like
1: maybe, or maybe sympathy, sympathy. Cause I don't think I got a whole lot of that growing up. It was a very hands-off kind of, um, child raising the way that we were raised, which most people back in the eighties, that's kind of how it was, you know? Um, But for me, I I knew that like, I wanted more um, attention and nurturing. And so it may have been me seeking to get some attention from my friends in that way and some nurturing, even though of course it wasn't the result. They were just getting annoyed that I was complaining all the time. And at one point someone said that, they're like, you complain a lot. And I was like, oh. So I stopped, <laughs> and I think that might be when I took on journaling because mm, it was like, okay, yeah. well, I have all these things to complain about. I'm just going to tell myself. <laughs> Do you
0: still have those journals?
1: I don't. I burn them after a <laughs> while. I would have. I would have like a hundred at least by now. Um, but it's kind of therapeutic to just kind of like read them again and mm. see what the past was, and then burn it and be like, the yeah. past is no more. It doesn't have any hold on me.
0: Well, it's interesting to look back and see what your thoughts were at that specific moment because like even in that moment it might have seemed like the biggest thing to you but then like you know as time goes on you're like wow that was that was i was being ridiculous or maybe that wasn't as big of a deal as i thought it was or whatever it is it's good to be able to look back and reflect on those things and then be like okay i've moved on true life is better now yep it it, it gives you like a greater appreciation i think
1: yeah I I think you're right. And I definitely do like to reread them before I burn them, but um, I just, I can't keep them all. It's too, it's too much. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about releasing the past and, but learning from it, you know? Um, And I think that I've succeeded with that for the most part so far.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, again, that's one of the hardest things to do is let go of the past. And that's something that I think even like to this day, a lot of people like including myself struggle with that, you know, like there's things even now, like I'll look back and it's, it's hard to want to let go of it, but you have to, it's important. It's important for self-development to be better. And, um, I think, I think I mentioned this on the last time we talked is that that's something I've noticed in you is like within the last year, I've noticed a huge improvement. Like whenever I've ran into you or whatever at, at different events, you seem just relieved and and just like happy and um more bubbly and just i would assume that's your your natural self.
1: Yeah, thank you. Yeah, i think i think i have definitely lightened my load, <laughs> you know, in my subconscious mind like i didn't even know that it was there, you know, it's so interesting how we we don't really recognize the baggage we're carrying until we see it, you know, and, um, it's taken me, um, I think the the relationships in my life have been a big tool to see that. I think relationships are like a mirror for us in our lives to see things about ourselves. And in what aspects? Um, in a lot of different aspects, but like, for example, um, the guys that I've dated in the last few years have been, um, a lot of I've noticed addiction. I've noticed um, some anger management issues. um, I've noticed insecurity. um, And not talking to me with the best respect or nurturing way of speaking. And so when I think about these things, and and I think it's progressed, which is good, because I think that kind of shows my progression, Um, but when I think about these things, I think, okay, well, that shows me that I've got some addiction issues. I've got some insecurities, you know, I've got some anger management issues and I used to know I had those issues a long time ago, but because I've been working on them, I thought they were gone, but it's like, okay, well, I dated another guy that shows me a different aspect. Yeah. There's still something there. Why am I attracted to that person? Why is this, you know, this connection happening? Where do you you think that comes from? Um, I think it comes from my childhood. I was abused. I was, you know, like, well, a lot of people would just call it discipline. And I'm (laughs) sure that's what my parents thought of it as. And I don't um, hold it against them. I I recognize where they came from and how that was normal for them and for the times. Right. It
0: was a different time. Yeah. Completely different. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Um, But it was harsh treatment, you know, and I was I was whipped often with a belt or had my pants pulled down to spank me. Um, and you know, there's always the chase, which, you know, my dad pounding on the door saying he's going to bust it down. And I knew he probably would if I didn't let him in, you know, so the fear building up to the point where you get hit and, um, and then also just not being spoken with, with the most loving kindness, you know, yeah in those moments and also other moments, you know, just, um, I think my dad was tormented. Um, and so
0: what do you think? What do you think the percentage is of the parents that raise kids in the eighties of them being abused and having an extremely traumatic past? Because that's something I don't think was ever really talked about.
1: Yeah. I'd but they were they
0: were raised by the baby boomers, yeah. the people who were involved in World War II. It was a hard time.
1: Yeah, exactly. And my grandpa was a sergeant in the war, and so I know my dad was treated very harshly, and that my grandpa had an actual whip and would whip the, the boys. He didn't whip the girls; he'd only whip the boys. And um,
0: that's respectable. <laughs> <laughs> it came
1: out, you know, it came out. Um, when I would be, you know, being disciplined um, that my dad didn't want me turning out like my aunts who seemed to be, you know, spoiled Mm -hmm. when he was growing up because. And you were the only girl? I was the only girl in my family. And um, it did seem that I got hit more than my brothers um, from talking to them and from my memories of it. I was kind of a target. I think it may be also because I was kind of feisty and I would talk back, you know. Really? Yeah.
0: I don't see that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I I do not. You know, I didn't take the abuse laying down. You know, and I and I felt, I felt like um, like I I wanted to be heard, and I would try to speak up for myself, and that would just be thought of as back talk. You know, mm, and yeah, you're, you're getting more trouble. You know, and yeah, whereas. My brothers were a little more like, okay, let's just make the peace so that we don't get hurt, you know, or whatever, you know, like I think they, they had different coping mechanisms. For me, it was like, this isn't right. I need to stand up for myself, you know? And, right, right. Um, and so yeah, never really helped me out in that situation. So
0: going through all this abuse and trauma as a, as a child, is, did you ever confide in any of your friends at that time? No, I
1: really didn't. I don't remember talking to my friends about it at all. Um, This wasn't something that was
0: really talked about, though, right? Yeah. Like outside of the home?
1: I don't know. I mean, the... Yeah, I don't remember talking about it at all to my friends. Um, And I would say probably at least... About a third of the kids from that age, that the era, were probably traumatized by their dis- their discipline, <laughs> you know, um, being abused. And some of them, it may not have just been that, you know. Like I know, yeah. I know, I know of people who who were hit with, you know, like a power extension cord and oh different, you know, different things that you know, just whatever they could grab to just hit the kid, you know. Um, so some people, I think, get it worse than me, of course. Um, But I think that, um, yeah, I I didn't feel comfortable talking to anybody about it. I don't remember telling any of my friends, like, hey, my dad hits me. Like, I don't remember ever talking about it. But I do remember my friends being terrified of my dad. Mm -hmm. So, like, they didn't want to, a lot of people didn't want to come over once they knew that he was this angry person. Because he didn't have a filter and he didn't put on the airs for company, like some people do, at least not for my friends, maybe for his friends. But when my friends were over, he would act the same way he'd act when they weren't over. So if mm. he was going to yell at me, he'd yell at me. And he usually did, you yeah. know. And so they were scared of him. Like they they didn't know what, we, what he was going to do next. And he would just fly off the handle at any given moment. So that unpredictability is scary. It yeah. was scary to grow up that way. Um I just I remember certain incidences like one time um my dog peed on the floor which she had a habit of doing because he helped train her <laughs> <laughs> with a rope yanking her around and scared the crap out of her so she would she had this nervous peeing habit and and so she would pee and one time she peed one too too many times and he grabbed his pistol out of the drawer and he was going to kill her
0: oh my god! and I got
1: in front of her and I was like you're not killing my dog you have to kill me first oh and it gosh. was so scary but it was like I can't let him kill my dog and I know he would have you know like that's just how he was how old
0: were you when that happened
1: <sighs> maybe 13
0: what kind of effect do you think that had on you that moment
1: i don't know i feel like there's a lot of moments that add up it's hard to say one moment you know because there's there were a lot that were similar to that where i feared for my life or someone else's life um or or just their safety you know i feared you know i worried about my mom i worried about my brothers i worried about myself you know like what he was gonna do Mm -hmm. um but yeah he just yeah it's, uh, and I think, yeah, just being in that uncertainty growing up makes, you, that's part of why I was a control freak because it's like, well, I can't control this. I can't control my dad. I can't, I don't know what's going to happen next there. So I need to take like ultimate control of the rest of my life because right. this I can control and then that makes me feel safe if I can have total control, which is never really possible. I mean, we never really have control no, over anything, no. but when we try to micromanage things and have it's complete just a control, endurance. oh my gosh, it's so stressful. You're in your own way. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It's true. It's <laughs> true. And so even now I'm still learning to to be in the flow of my life, to just go with the flow. Yeah. It's like that concept is still sinking in.
0: Yeah, there's a good good balance to be had when you um allow things to just happen, the things that you cannot control, but you have control of the things that you do that you can control. Yeah. There's a good balance.
1: Oh, for sure. Yeah. And and to take the control to, you know, like um, for me, one thing that I do nowadays that, and I did back then, actually, that really helps me um, to find peace and grounding is going out in nature for hikes. Um, and so that's something when I find myself feeling stressed and, oh, I've had this really busy week, I've been working a lot. I will say, okay, how can I get out into nature and go for a hike, you know, and I'll find the time and schedule it in and just do it, you know, and that taking that control, it, it works so well for me. Cause it, um,
0: cause you're it, making time for yourself.
1: Yeah. yeah. And, and that time is so therapeutic whenever yeah. I'm out in nature. Um, I feel connected to all that is. I feel grounded. I do feel Do you,
0: peace. do you leave your phone in the, in the car?
1: No, I have my phone, but I don't, I mostly just use it for pictures Oh because okay. I get inspired and I'm like, oh, I gotta take a picture of this mushroom or whatever. <laughs> Nature is so magical, you know? And yeah. so it's, it's hard to not take pictures. Sometimes I actually like, especially if I'm going it, out and kind of grieving and just working through some hard emotions, I will just tell myself no pictures today. It's just about me and observing, you know, I still observe yeah. all the beauty, um, and let it move me, but It's not about sharing with others it's just about me going inward and so
0: yeah because then at a certain point you're not doing it for yourself you're doing it for other people yeah yeah there's sometimes where like I I'll take a picture of working like a a workout or like a kettlebell or something and I'm like I'll post this like it'll be inspirational or motivational or whatever it is but then there's other days where I'm like no I just need to work out
1: Like Mm
0: -hmm. I don't need to show that to other people. I just need to just need to do it because like it's gonna help me.
1: Yep, exactly. I do
0: that quite often, but
1: I also share a lot of pictures too. Yeah, well, and it's okay to share too because you know, just like with this podcast, I think it's important to share our journey because other people can learn from it. But yeah, Yeah. to 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 do that all the time can just be give give give, but not to yourself, you know. Well, it's
0: almost like it's almost like you're looking for like self gratification, you know. Yeah, yeah. if If you if that's what you're I don't know. I guess if that's what your focus is,
1: yeah, like and you
0: don't want that to be your focus if you're trying to heal.
1: Yeah, you want to. It's all about your own healing and your feeling of self acceptance and yeah. self worth. Yeah, you know, sometimes we do look outward, and especially with social media, because it can become an easy addiction to say. Post something and see how many likes did I get Mm, and let that determine your self-acceptance. Well, they accepted me, so okay, I feel okay about me now. Well, that obviously is not healthy. We should be able to accept ourselves. Even if we get zero likes, we should still love ourselves and accept ourselves just the way we are and recognize that that comes first and foremost.
0: That's why detaching and going out into the wild is important. <laughs>
1: it is because <laughs> then
0: you realize that none of that stuff matters exactly. and that th- that life is so much bigger than than social media and your phone.
1: It is it is and and what goes in the thoughts in our mind too. Yeah you know? like we often we often identify with the thoughts in our mind strongly as if that is us, but it really isn't the true us and our real self is the the observer behind the thoughts. And that's why I think meditation can be so powerful. I like that.
0: I like that line.
1: Yes, yeah. we are. We observe and we're just there to experience life and in all of its aspects, you know, the mm. good, the bad and the ugly. And that's another thing about acceptance that I think is really important. And I don't think it's as widely understood as it should be. Um, people...
0: Especially in today's day and age.
1: Yeah, people are all about, um, well, let's focus on the positive. Let's focus on what makes us feel good. And you look at social media and it's like all everybody's best pictures and best moments. And and I think that's great to see that stuff. It's encouraging and uplifting. But if that's all we're seeing, then it paints this picture of a false reality. Because the, the fact is, there is beauty in the chaos and the trauma and the yeah. the the hard times. Yeah. There there is beauty in the breakdown. If yeah. we if we don't break down, we can't build up even stronger the next time around. You know, like we right. we yeah. need those challenges in life to overcome and to be our best self, I think. And so I don't think we should gloss over the hard times completely and ignore right. them and pretend that we don't suffer. The fi- i think that makes it difficult for people who are on social media a lot which i choose to not be on social media <laughs> a lot but i know some people who are and it affects them a lot and i think that can make them suffer more because they feel they're alone and they're suffering if they go on and see all the best pictures of everybody's life they're like well everybody else is living the perfect life but here I am in a shit show you know <laughs>
0: i guess i i tend to look at social media objectively because yeah. i don't i don't think oh, that course. when i see people's pictures i'm like oh that's cool and then I scroll, I don't really, and I, I think that they're a normal person. Their house is probably a mess too. Yeah.
1: Well, that's, that's good. That's a healthy way to look at it. But I know some people who, who struggle with that. Yeah. Um, and so I know, I think it's good to get the crap out there too sometimes. And not, I mean, we can't focus heavily on it or it's going to bring people down. That's, yeah. the, that's the thing. you got to find the balance, yeah. but. Well, we I
0: have- mean, it's all part of the process. Like it's part of rising above, you know, like. I I like to say that like rising, like, like your life may look like this, but it's a process every single day. You still got to wake up every single day and have those same thoughts that, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to go to work or you don't want to, you don't want to get your exercise in. Like there, there's things you don't want to do, but when you do that, that's the glamorous picture, right? When you finish your workout, you're like, wow, I did it. I just took a picture. I'm covered in sweat. Yeah. Like that's the prize. That's the prize moment. But what people don't see is the moments leading up to that, the struggle, the me sitting around, not wanting to go work out, me not wanting to put my shoes on to go to work. Like those are the moments that are yeah. hard that people don't see.
1: Yeah. And I like it when sometimes when people post those types of things too, like yeah, I do too. they share their struggle a little bit, but then also the, the nice turnout at the end, you know, yeah. like it's, I think i like to get the full picture myself. Yeah. You can see um, That's
0: why struggle every day is, in, is important because then it it makes you have a greater appreciation i said that earlier too but uh for all the bullshit throughout the day like yeah. all the bullshit throughout the day does not matter really you just have a greater appreciation for the day yeah because you've already won the day
1: yeah yeah it's a good way of looking at it
0: that's why like yoga is very important because it's not easy yoga is not easy at all it's very difficult <laughs>
1: I don't know if i would say that i've learned you know when i first started yoga for the first few years actually i was over efforting every pose and it was um very difficult it was very difficult can be as
0: difficult as you want it to be It
1: can for sure especially if you're just practicing by yourself yeah um but then i mean i like to challenge myself when i actually work myself a little harder when i'm practicing by myself but then if i want to take a rest for 10 minutes and just meditate. I do that too, you know, so you can find that balance of whatever your body needs at the moment. Yeah. Um, but I've also found that in yoga, it helps to have a balance between effort and surrender. And I, like I said in the beginning, I was always just over efforting and I didn't understand that surrender piece. And I don't know, I'd taken a class or training actually that, that taught about the, the balance between effort and surrender. And, I think it's a great analogy for life too, because we always need to find that balance between effort and surrender. And for me, it's been um, more on the side of effort and pushing and stressing and, um, and control so, mechanism. yeah, exactly. And just, um, and also it's, I think that, that um self-criticism thing too well you're not right. pushing hard enough you know so I'd push harder um but learning the surrender piece has been so huge for me to find a softening and to find a way to really be more enjoying of <clears throat> my practice and my life you so what know? does that
0: look like when you're in the middle of a yoga session and you you think that you need to surrender a little bit more
1: so like you're holding a pose let's say warrior two for example and you got your arms out your legs are wide one knee's bent and you're holding it and you're thinking wow this is a lot to hold on to and it's tight and but then you know you think of the idea of surrendering and it's like okay where can I surrender okay i can soften my face oh i can relax my neck i don't have to work so hard with my neck oh my arms can actually soften a little bit they don't sink as long as i don't soften them too much like find that balance and then even the legs you know just the whole body soften the skin you know relax your mind breathe that deep slow breath and then you can still hold the pose if you keep enough effort but finding that surrender makes it just more enjoyable and it's like oh there's some ease here it's not as hard as it had as i thought it had to be um and it's it's just a beautiful balance like
0: that reminds me of uh, have you ever heard of like the military method to fall asleep? sleep you can fall asleep i believe within a minute or two no <clears throat> i have to look it up um pretty much what it is is you're relaxing all your muscles in your face so first you think like okay like when you're falling asleep you're you're kind of tense and you think okay just let go yeah and then you let go Yep. and then it's like okay now let your shoulders just kind of sulk and they sulk, yep. and then and then you focus on your breathing. This is and meditation.
1: Then, what you're talking about is yeah. like how people get into meditation. And I do that myself to fall asleep. So if I know I want to get to sleep right away, yep. I simply do what you were just saying. I start relaxing everything and then the mind. And then the next thing you know, I'm I, asleep.
0: You just focus on your breathing. And yep. then that, that calms the mind because you're not thinking. You're just thinking about your breathing. And even mm-hmm. if your like thoughts wander, you come back to your breathing.
1: Yep. Yep. And It makes it really easy to fall asleep. Super easy. Yep. My wife's I like, how do you struggle. fall asleep so
0: quick? And I'm yeah. like, That's why
1: I used to struggle back in high school and college days. It would take me sometimes two hours or more to fall asleep. And once I learned that technique, like I don't have any issues with it anymore. Yeah. So I, um, I wanted to share with you, um, when I was, so I got, I, well, I've been through a lot of different things in my life and I, it's just too much to talk about it all, but Um, I separated from my ex-husband about seven years ago, and since then I've been on a a big self-growth journey. I mean, I feel like I have been my whole life to some extent, but it was easier to grow when I was by myself and focusing on me. Um, but I told you about the guys that I've dated. Um, the last guy that I dated ended up being, um, a sex addict and, what I mean by that is he had to have sex with lots of different people like outside of the relationship and that I figured out. And that was obviously not okay, but it was eye opening for me because I recognized this pattern. Um, He seemed to be kind of a narcissistic and insensitive, you know, like how the narcissists are insensitive. He was like that. Um, but the sex addict part, he um, showed me that there was something that I wasn't seeing. And there were other things in my life that showed me that as well. And that was um, certain girls that I had known who had um, been sexually abused by their fathers. And it was to the point where, you know, after this breakup with this guy, um, this a few months back, I was just like, okay, what is going on in my life? Like I have all this interesting stuff going on with girls throughout my life that, um, or throughout my adult life that had been abused by their fathers. And why was that? I kept on feeling really strongly about it and really angry about it. And so it actually,
0: you're angry that they were abused. Yes.
1: And it actually made me question that I might've been possibly sexually abused as a child. Um, even though I had no recollection of that, it made me wonder, cause I'm like, why does this keep presenting itself to me? To the point where the girl downstairs, she must've been about 12 years old. She was getting raped by her dad and I called the cops. Like it, it, it's, ha- you know, there, there were enough situations where it was just like, why does this keep popping up in my life. And so anyway, um, the interesting thing that happened was I went on this awesome spiritual getaway to Sedona with one of my best friends. And we had a wonderful vacation, very spiritual, very um, nurturing. And I just felt so great. Loved it. Came back the next morning, I felt really depressed. And I was like, what is going on? And so I was journaling about what's going on in my life. You know, I felt like, I wanted to work more for my business, less for my job, but I didn't know how I could do that. Um, I felt like I kept on ending up with the wrong men that weren't treating me well, and I didn't understand why, and I'm journaling about it, and I get a message from a friend from high school who says her husband's doing this energy work, and... Um, he would like to work with me if I'm interested for free. And I was like, wow. So he was he was transitioning from doing it part-time to doing it full-time. And I think, you know, he wanted to get a little more practice and a little referrals, whatever. So I was like, sure. And I he called me on the phone and we talked and it was a very powerful conversation. And I cried almost the entire conversation for like 20 minutes, which is crazy. This has never happened to me before, but it wasn't a sad cry at that point. It was tears of gratitude and joy and I knew he was going to help me and so after my last the guy I was dating that was the sex addict he um I had I had signals that something wasn't right throughout that entire relationship I kept getting feelings like oh this doesn't feel right something's not right but I ignored him and so I my mind talked reasoned it away all right and or he reasoned it away, because I'd ask him about it, and he'd be like, Oh, no, you know, so i I believed what I wanted to believe. And after that relationship, I promised myself I would start listening to my intuition more and really give it value, because I recognized, it was talking and I didn't give it any value, you know? And so I've learned it's important for me to listen to my intuition. Well, when I was crying through that conversation, I knew that was my intuition saying he is going to help you. And it was a wonderful conversation. And we worked, um, he asked me what I wanted to work on and I instantly said childhood trauma. So I knew that something from my childhood was part of my problem, like why I was still suffering today. Um, and so we did that. We did a couple sessions on childhood trauma and he
0: what, is, what did that look
1: like? So he has a gift. He can speak with spirits. He actually died um, and came back. As how, did, like, how did he die? He had a growth. And so like for like two weeks, he was kind of like dying and he was seeing ghosts. So he was seeing two people, like his dead parent and his wife's dead parent, and having conversations with them. And he did not understand what was happening. And then he seized up and died. And when he came back, he was like a higher version of himself. He had entered the spirit world, and when he came back, he was still able to communicate with the spirit world and, and to help people. And he knew it was a gift for a reason, that he was supposed to help people. And so that is exactly what he was doing for me. And so the spirits guided him to guide me through my past trauma. And he he walked me through it. He saw like age three
0: Was he asking you questions? Like what was this process like? Not a whole lot.
1: He got, he, we both got into a deep meditative state. By breathing? Breathing deeply and um, visualizing smoky quartz was surrounding us. We're like in a cave of smoky quartz. It's very protective. Um, grounding by imagining roots going down from me and going all the way down to the earth's core and wrapping around it three times counterclockwise.
0: So Um, during this, are you like laying down? Yeah,
1: I laid down. He said I could sit or lay, but I chose to lay. We were on a zoom call. So um, yeah, I just, I laid down and I got into my state of mind, my, you know, meditative state. So my eyes were closed most of the time. Um, and then, you know, he started, he said, he said, if I see the, the year lit up, it means that you don't have any trauma. And he said, if it's not, then we gotta, we gotta talk about, it. we gotta work through it. And so he was going to help me heal the trauma. And so started with age three, I had started to be put into my bedroom as a punishment for being three <laughs> wow. basically my kid my parents um and he it, it was really therapeutic too because he could see he was telling me what my parents were doing and he was telling me what i was doing and he was telling me what they were feeling and he was telling me what i was feeling did
0: now going back do you remember those things
1: i remember some of when those he was things. telling you well yeah a lot of it i did remember like he said he said you were in your room you're alone you're sad you just want someone to play with you you're crying I remember being alone and sad in my room crying a lot as a child and I don't, I didn't know why. Um, I don't remember that part, but I do remember feeling very sad and isolated. Um, and then they were in the other room and they were drinking and they were stressed out from their day and they just didn't have the patience to deal with me. So their way of dealing with was just to put me in my room. So then at age five, I started getting hit by my dad, Um, and of course, they thought of it as discipline, but, you know, it's not. I mean, it's more than that, obviously, for me, you know, Um, and it's very hurtful. And so, but one of the cool things was that he told me I had two guardian angels, a male and female, and that they were basically like my spirit parents, and they were nurturing towards me. And so that was a huge part of my my, uh, healing because I knew they were there and they were seeing my worth and they Your parents my spirit parents blake and gloria so my <laughs> my guardian angels i asked them when i was alone after the sessions I asked them what their names were, and that's the names that came to me. So I'm going with it. <laughs> so Blake and Gloria are my guardian angels, and they nurtured me and loved me and played with me in the ways that my parents were not able to. Um, so they kind of helped complete that childhood picture in a way that I I needed, you know, for my nurturing, yeah, um, and just to feel valued, you know, it was such a good that was, it was really huge. Like I cried more from that than from the pain that, you know, like I cried out of gratitude for them more than, you know, from the the suffering from being abused. Um, And so that was really a really beautiful thing. Anyway, at age seven, um, my dad started molesting me at age eight. He started raping me and I did not know that. Um, the other things that he had told me fit the picture perfectly. You know, when he described what my parents were doing, how they were acting, all these things, everything was very believable. It was like, okay, I totally you you get me. You know, like he I felt like we were on the same page. But when he said the the sexual abuse stuff, I was just like, whoa, I don't remember that. Like when I remember that, he's like, Well, you might have blocked it out. He said a lot of people do. Um, and I was like, Okay. And I wanted to believe him because he was so helpful up to that point and everything felt very right. You know, my intuition was telling me he was he was right on track. Um, But after that session, I was really questioning, like, is this real? Did 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 he make this up? How did
0: he present that to you? Because it seems like he didn't
1: go into too much detail. He said he skirts around the details because he doesn't like to look directly at it. Like he doesn't want to see me being raped. And so he tries not to. Like, he he tries to avoid that because of it being such a sensitive and and traumatic experience. Um, So he said he only saw what he needed to see to know that it happened. Um, And it started when I was seven. My dad would act like, hey, we're going to have some father-daughter time, which I never got from my dad. So I was jumping at the opportunity to have some one-on-one time for my dad. But it turned out to be a molesting situation. And then then the abuse, uh, you know, the raping started when I was eight. And it was like when he was drunk at night after my mom passed out; those kinds of situations. Um, and so, the, in the weeks that followed, I went through a lot of different emotions. I
0: did he offer any counseling or consoling after telling you that? Because I could imagine that when somebody presents that to you, that it would offer it, it would it would change your perspective of your your past. And your family and everything you've known up to that point.
1: It definitely did. One of the techniques that he offered was cutting the cord. He said, So when you have um, a memory that's traumatic and you feel, you know, he said the first thing you need to do when, you know, things come back and you're in your, and you it's in your mind and you're feeling it. So the first thing you need to do is allow yourself to feel the emotions fully and just be with them. He said you know, it's okay to feel that way. And he said, but then after you feel like you've felt it for a while and you're good, he said, then you do imagine in your mind that you're cutting a cord. It could be a ribbon, a rope, whatever you imagine. It doesn't have to be anything in particular, but you break it with something, you know, whether it's scissors or an ax or whatever, whatever you imagine is the right thing for that moment. And so every time that trauma comes back and you're feeling it, after you feel it, you cut the cord, and each time you do that, it helps to reduce the um, emotional tie to that trauma. and And that was very helpful, actually. I would I use that technique, and so um, when it you, really helped
0: to use that technique, what did that look like? Were you like in a meditative state? Like not necessarily. Like how do you?
1: I just I would be like, oh my god, I I feel so lonely and sad and isolated, and um you know, like nobody loves me, you know, these real heavy feelings. And so I would cry and I'd allow myself to feel, and then I would picture whatever I would picture. Sometimes it'd be a brick wall and I just had to get, you know, like a wrecking ball and break it, you know? And the more I did it, the less it became. Like by the end it was just a red flowy ribbon, and I'd cut it with some big shears mm. um and so it was like a softer like less you know destructive kind of a feeling
0: because I could imagine at first it was probably anger and frustration yeah. which is why you had images of the like the wrecking ball yeah yeah, yep
1: exactly so it was like the more I did it the less anger and huge emotions were tied to that memory and so that was a really beautiful process um but, yeah, it was really hard to accept that I was sexually abused. But th- throughout the next few weeks, I did start noticing. I, memories would come back that indicated that I probably was. So just different hints. Um, and then, oh, actually, a few days after that, he told me that. I actually prayed about it. And I do believe in the power of prayer and i like prayed, in a, a
0: religious way or like a more I'm of not, like putting it into the universe type of
1: i'm not religious i'm more spiritual um
0: everybody says that well I just, <laughs> what does that what does that mean
1: it means i don't succumb to any one religions belief okay. system i don't 100 percent subscribe to one right. belief system right. and also religion is you know it has led to war and death throughout the ages and in it, its Oh, my God, I could go. I, I was Catholic. I was Catholic. So then you talk uh, about yeah. Catholic priests molesting children, and you know, just there's so many issues I have with religion. Um, and it's not to say that all Catholics are bad or all any religion is bad. And I definitely think some people get great benefits from it, and please, yeah, let them continue that. But for me, it never felt right. I I kept on looking for my perfect religion. I searched and I searched and I never found one that was just the right one for me. So I kind of have like little bits and pieces from different religions that I believe. Um, But I also believe in the earth and the earth has shown me um, my belief system, which is, you know, all about nature. And um, just, I don't know. It's hard to explain, but nature is my church. And so if I'm going to go out and pray, it's going to be out in nature, and I feel closest to God there. So I do believe in God, and I also think the I use God and the universe interchangeably. So I think the universe and God are one and the same. Um, but I, I prayed to God and the universe and to my own brain to please let me have one small memory that would help me believe without a doubt that that happened to me that I was abused if I was abused I didn't want a false you know I wasn't asking for a false belief but I wanted if there was any kind of memory that I could have and I certainly didn't want to remember all the years of being raped um that would be horrible you know like I don't want to have those memories but I wanted just one little something that would help me believe it and I got it actually um like that night or the next night after praying about it, I had a dream in the morning before I woke up, it became, it was, it was more like a memory than a dream. And I was in the kitchen that I grew up in. I was wiping the counter and I don't even like until that dream, I didn't even remember that kitchen, what it looked like, you know, like, cause we had, we had moved in junior high to another house. Um, But I was in that kitchen and I remember it very clearly. And then I turned around and my dad was behind me. I don't remember seeing him. And this is the thing with traumatic memories, too, is you don't get a picture-perfect memory. Nobody ever does. Traumatic memories are bits and pieces. You might feel a texture or hear something, but you don't don't get all the senses and you don't get a perfect video, you know. But I knew it was my dad. I felt it was my dad, and I knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew that he was going to rape me, and it was the worst feeling of dread in my life. And I've never felt that in until that moment, I mean, I must have felt it, but yeah. I didn't. So I don't think I could have conjured that feeling up out of nowhere. And I believe that that was a memory. I believe that was a memory that my mind and God gave me as a gift as at my request of wanting some proof.
0: One thing that happens with you and you mentioned it, but with traumatic Traumatic experiences is that your brain does tend to forget things because it protects you. It's your yeah. pr- it's it, it's a mechanism to protect you and your mind and your brain. And uh, that's something that I had to experience too with going through some of the things that I went through. I remember a lot, but there's been times where like my siblings will mention something like a story, and I'm like, I don't remember that. And like, yeah, that happened. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't remember. So it's entirely possible, yeah, that that did happen and yeah. you were so young that you and you in horrified and traumatized from it that you you just blocked it out
1: exactly because
0: yeah. it's a survival mechanism yep your brain's trying to sur- like trying to it's trying to protect you
1: and it did it did protect me all these years and it was I, i'm very grateful um, and i think i found out when the time was right for me to be emotionally mature enough to to process those emotions and to know what to do about it you know I, I had Ken, the the energy worker that I told you about. is Ken Lloyd, if anyone wants to look him up. He's online. Um, and then after that, I did some work with um, Megan Bergman of uh, Goddess Goals. is her business. She did uh, what they call a womb clearing and helped clear out traumatic emotions that had been stored in my womb space, which I didn't know was a thing. Mm. Um, but again, when she started talking to me about what she does – I started crying and emotionally, like I knew my intuition was saying, do this, this is right. This is good. Like it was a good kind of cry. And, um, I'm, You know, I'm a pretty emotional person these days. Like I've always (laughs) been emotional, but I didn't used to just let myself cry when I wanted, you know, when my body wanted to. And now I just cry when I need to cry. And it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing. It's a release, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's important. It's so important. That's something that a lot of people, because a lot of people look at as a sign of weakness Mm -hmm. to be, to cry, but it's not. It's It's like the opposite. It's the opposite. Mm -hmm.
1: We're most powerful when we're allowed to be vulnerable and and show our, our whole selves, you know? Yeah. And accepting of those feelings like those are part of us and it's okay you know we're human and you know like I said the good the bad and the ugly we got to embrace it all you know and yeah. um, but tears of gratitude are one of the most beautiful things that I've discovered Um I feel like that's something I've discovered in the last several years like being on my own and my path and I read the book uh, The Magic um, which follows the secret it's the second one and The secret is all about the law of attraction, but the magic is all about gratitude and how that gratitude, when we are in a place of feeling gratitude, we're bringing more reasons to be gratitude towards us. You know, we're attracting Mm, it and we're attracted to it. Um, And that's the, the, that's the essence of the book, but it's like, they do um, practices every day. You do, you write all these things that you're grateful for and then some other practice. um, And it's. It was huge in helping me learn to be more grateful in my life and also that was when i really started crying out of gratitude and it became a daily practice i would just i would state all the reasons that i'm grateful and i usually would say it to god because i believe in god but you don't have to believe in god to do the the gratitude practice you can just say hey tree i'm grateful for you you know right. and sometimes i do that too but like i like to thank god for all the beauty that's out there in nature and for me and my health and all my organs. And, you know, like you can really go into detail. You can be like, I'm grateful for my blood and all my veins and arteries. And I'm grateful for, you know, there's just so many things like you can go on and on and on. If you really allow yourself to open up to gratitude, it's infinite the reasons that you can be grateful. And it really changed my life because it changed. It shifted the perspective from, You know, human minds kind of want to notice like things that are wrong. Oh, I see something's wrong over there. Oh, my leg hurts. Oh, this, you know, like you just kind of are programmed to notice when something's wrong. It's not aligned with what you want. Um, And this book just helps to kind of shift that perspective more to like what's right. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. And then you realize there's way more right than not. (laughs) You know.
0: That's a good point. Yeah. That's a really good point. It
1: was really helpful. And so now I, um, I do cry out of gratitude often. You know, and just meeting these people that helped me, I was already grateful. Like my intuition told me this is a reason to be grateful, and I just cried. Like it's such a beautiful experience to be that aware. I think you know, like some some part of me is aware. My mind wasn't aware. I was just like, okay, I'm crying. I guess this person is going to help me, you know? Like,
0: <laughs> I think it's amazing that you were conscious of the fact that there, there was something in your past that you hadn't worked through and you were conscious of the fact that I keep finding these relationships that, you know, where people are addicted to um, whatever and they're um, they have anger problems or they have these issues and I seem to be attracted to it. And so you tried actively searching for the reason why. Mm-hmm. And you found it.
1: Yeah. I think so, I think seek and ye shall find. I think mm-hmm. that is, I've learned that rule works. You know, if we're really passionate about something, we really want to find the answer. Well,
0: you have to be int- introspective. Exactly. You have to look at yourself. You have to yes. go within, find that. Why Why am I attracted to this? And yes. Then, and then search it out. Yes. It takes work. It really it's does. It's a lot of work. And a lot of people don't want to do it.
1: <clears throat> it really does. But I, that,
0: that brings us back to, rising above and overcoming your obstacles do you think that if you hadn't do would you for one would you if you could choose now to not have any of that stuff happen to you and and live out your life and possibly not have any of the successes that you've had or the experiences in life would you get rid of all that stuff
1: no and that's something that i've learned is um You know, it's like, yeah, at first it was just like, why me? I feel like this is a horrible thing that happened and it sucks. And, um, but then now seeing it from the perspective of having learned and grown from it, I recognize that that was in my path for a reason to help me grow and to help me become a stronger and be more compassionate towards others. And to recognize that everyone is suffering on some level or another and, and more at different times than others. Um, and that we all need support and guidance and inspiration to help us move forward. And I believe that I'm here to help other people to to see that light and to see there's another way. I think that's one of the purposes of my life. You know, I teach yoga, which helps People find peace. Um, I make healthy food for my business, Abundance Cafe, and that helps people, I believe, to, to feel better in their bodies and, and also mentally, emotionally, because healthy food is medicine. Um, yeah. But then I also think that there's another part where me sharing my story can help people too, you know? And I, I think that that's really important work. And that's something that I'm still trying to figure out exactly how to do. And I want to, you know, do a little more on like social media, um, maybe be like an inspirational speaker someday where I can go and talk like on a TED talk or something. I mean, the idea frightens me, but <laughs> but it also excites me, you know. So I know it's probably something in my future. And I, I think that um, we all need inspiration. We all need people to show us the way, you know, so Megan from Goddess Goals, she has really helped me a lot. She's overcome a lot of her own obstacles. And now she's helping women like me who have these issues. And, um, and she's empowering me and she's telling me your voice needs to be heard. And, you know, and she's, she believes in me, you know, and yeah. um, to have other people like that, I feel like we're all here to help each other. And she's helping me in the same way that I hope to help other women someday or men. I mean, it doesn't have to just be women. Men have been abused, too. It's like something like one in four girls have been abused by the time of sexually abused by the time they're 18 and one in six boys. Wow. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's something that. A lot of people are. A lot of people scared to talk about. I mean, it's very uncomfortable. But by hearing your story and hearing how vulnerable you were on the podcast and hearing, like, I mean, pe- people could see you cry uh, at certain points. Um, it, it's again, that's a difficult thing to do. But by hearing, hearing that gives them power in their stories too. It, it shows them that they're able to overcome the things that they've gone through also. And who knows what kind of impact like somebody hearing, even if it impacts one person, exactly. you know, I mean, your story impacted me. I was sexually abused when I was a child too. And, um, unfortunately for me, I remember those things. Yeah. Um, but that's something that's a part of my story that allows me to help other people. Yeah. So I think it's really, it's really interesting to hear like your story and how you've gone through these things and how you're wanting to help other people with your story. And because that's something that I wanted to do too, you know, that's why I started the podcast. Um, And then hearing, uh, you know, other people like, like that Megan uh, lady that you had mentioned, how she's using her story to help other people as well. It's super powerful.
1: It really is. I mean, we're, we are here for a reason together, you know, we could all be on planet earth by ourselves trying to learn our own stuff, but that's not the case. We're here together because we're, meant to grow together and learn from each other and teach each other. And it really is a beautiful process. And, um, you know, Megan, so I worked with her again this past week. I did another, I I had worked with a couple energy workers who told me that I wasn't grounded. My root chakra was just not really (laughs) lit up. (laughs) Um, And I got that because I was feeling really stressed. And when we aren't grounded, we are stressed because the root chakra helps us to be grounded and feel supported and safe. And when we don't feel supported and safe, it's very stressful, right? So I really wanted to work on that chakra. And so Megan helped me with that. And she, um, it was amazing work. Um, We did some meditating and then we also did some moving because she does movement medicine. um, And just kind of helped clear out the trauma again, because, you know, she helped me with the womb clearing uh, a couple months ago. But this. This was like another level, another layer, you know? Yeah. Um, and one thing she asked me, she said, resent, resent, resent. She said, are you a martyr? And I said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> well, later, of course, I contemplated it. And I recognized that subconsciously I am a martyr or was because I'm letting it go. But I had been. So like something in my head was a, tra- you know, a martyr is just basically someone who suffers. And they feel like they need to, you know, like they're giving, mm. uh, you know, like a lot of times it's a religious thing, but it doesn't have to be. It could yeah. just be someone who suffers. So I was kind of attracted to suffering or or, or attracting that to me um, in, in the men's situation. So it's like I think about it now after working through the feelings of being abused, uh, sexually abused. I felt like I was in the feelings because the feelings come back when you go and you think about the things that happened to you. Even if you don't remember the details, the feelings come back and you remember the feelings. I felt completely isolated, sad, angry, um, ashamed. I felt super ashamed of myself and my body. Um, And then the other thing is I felt all these – All these feelings. Oh, the other feeling was I felt heartbroken. I realized that my dad broke my heart because I loved him and, you know, would be like excited to see him when he got home from work or like wanting, just really wanted some one-on-one time, some love and attention. And I never got it until it was the sexual abuse. And then that was just like, oh, well, that's all I'm good for, you know, Mm -hmm. and So that was kind of heartbreaking, like, to go through that. Um, But I, again, I cut the cord and I'm releasing that. Um, But it is so empowering to see where that pattern started because all the guys I've been with broke my heart. None of them treated me right. None of them treated me with, like, this adoration or this, you know, respect and – you know, I just, I really wanted some, I've always just wanted somebody to just be there for me, you know, and just listen to me and just be present, you know, in my life. And that's, I've never felt like I've had that. Every guy has been kind of unavailable to me mm. in some way or another. Um, and so now I recognize that as that pattern is in me because that's how I feel about myself, whatever, you know, that trauma made me believe I need to change it. Cause it's not true. You know, that, that past is in the past. I was always lovable. My dad just didn't have it in him. It was him, not me. <laughs> you know?
0: That's really interesting.
1: Yeah, it really is. Cause it's yeah, because that I mean, that was the biggest reason why I was going to get help in the first place. It's like, why do I keep ending up with men who don't treat me right? You know? <laughs> and so, you know, I just kind of felt like it was an out outward thing, you know, but it is very personal and it is very much about me being a martyr which I hate the label, but to, to really own that and to recognize that, you know, takes some would, courage. It would takes, you say that's
0: like a victim's type of mentality? Exactly.
1: Yep. Exactly. Yeah. And I've never thought of myself like that. Cause I've always been like, nope, I am I'm not going to cry about it. I'm going to be tough, you know? And you right. know, like, um, I always just the way I was raised, it was like, you know, I, I wasn't, I don't know. I just didn't feel like that. But when I looked into the when I look deeply into it, I'm like, okay, yep. I do kind of feel sorry for myself in some ways. And I do see the pattern that I've created. It's here. good to
0: have those feelings though. You know, it's good to have that, those thoughts because then you can, you can work on working yourself out of it. True. And then, and then you, you have a greater appreciation for coming out of it. Yeah. Like it's difficult for a lot of people, when they think about the things that happened to them in their life, they become a victim to everything that's happened to them. Yep. I see it all the time. Um, and we see it in today, in today's world, all like even more than ever because of social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's something that like I, I struggled with too. When I was younger, I, I would put myself in this mental, this mental area where I'm, I'm focusing on like things that maybe were said to me in my past that like, cause like one thing, um, my my adopted mom would always tell me is that you're never going to amount to anything or you're never going to make anything of yourself. Wow. And so that was something that always played in my head. That was a fear that I had. Like, I don't want to be somebody that didn't make anything of myself. I want to be a successful person. And so I spent like the younger part of my life trying to prove her wrong. And then when I got into working out, like I said, uh, you know, that was part of my healing journey And like having an outlet was extremely important. I would put myself into that into that mindset, almost the victim's mindset. Like I am going to make something of myself and like, I'm just taking my aggression out on the things that all my memories, all the things she said or what it did to me. And in a lot of ways, I thought I think it was therapeutic to have those thoughts, but to come out on the other end, like, okay, like I had that this moment of vulnerability and weakness in my mind, but I was able to work through it. And in turn, it allowed me to not have this vic- victim's mentality in life. Yeah. I didn't walk around with a, a victim's mentality. Yeah. Of like, oh, this happened to me, so my life is this way.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we can't just lay down and die. Like, we need to fight up against it. Um, but also to recognize that a lot of times what we're fighting against is not even real. You know, like like me, the the heartbreak. Like, my dad didn't love me is my story. I know that's not true. I know he loved me as much as he possibly could, you know, but he was abused and he was neglected and, you know, all these things. So he just didn't have it in him to give me what I wanted and needed to thrive. Um, But now I have it in me to give myself those things. You know, I am empowered by recognizing that it is all about me and how I feel about myself, and that's something that I, I think about more and more, you know, like it isn't about them, any of the them, any that can mean anybody, your parents, your friends, your, you know, anyone, they don't really matter. I mean, they do matter. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. their opinions and their thoughts of me don't really matter. And the
0: things that they did to you don't matter.
1: Exactly. It's it, in the what, past, What
0: matters now is how you're going to react to it and yep. how you manage it. And and are you going to hold bitter feelings towards them because of it? Because I mean, it's so easy to want to like be like, well, my parents are just pieces of shit yep. and they've, they've always treated me bad or they've, they've traumatized me. They beat me yep. and I, I hate them for it.
1: Yep. And then you're holding anger in your heart and, but it, is it, and it doesn't go anywhere. You have anger held in your heart constantly and it blocks joy. Yeah. And so I've definitely recognized that. And learn to release it. And, and, it, and you know, I mean, going through just finding out a few months back that I was sexually abused as a child, I had to go through the anger. You know, I had to rage and, and, and maybe there'll still be some moments where I feel like I need to let that out. And that's okay. That's healthy. Yeah, Like all our yeah. feelings are healthy. But on the other side of that, you know, cut the cord and then have compassion you know, compassion and that forgiveness. All, well, yeah, exactly. If you have compassion, yeah. you have forgiveness because compassion just means putting yourself in that other person's shoes and seeing they're suffering, they're suffering, you know, and they're still suffering, you know, many people. Yeah. Um, I mean, my dad's passed away, but my mom's still alive and I love her and I forgive her, you know, like I know she didn't do the abuse. I mean, she had a paddle that she would whip us with sometimes, but she, I could tell it was reluctantly. She did not want to hit us. You know, she's she's more of a gentle soul, but she knew about my abuse and didn't do anything about it. And that I forgive because that was her coping mechanism was to turn a blind eye, put her head in the sand and pretend it's not happening. That have was. You,
0: have you ever asked her about any of the sexual abuse?
1: I have not. And I don't think I can because I've tried to talk to her about the um, physical abuse. And she denied that it ever happened. And then when I told her, no, it really did happen, she said, well, that's because you were so horrible to your dad.
0: Oh, geez. So
1: she tried to turn the tables because I think, I think if she admits it, I think then she would have to take some responsibility for allowing it to happen. Right. Um, so that was her response to, to the physical abuse. Um, like, I don't know, 15 years ago or so when I was seeing a therapist about it and Um, and so I don't have it in me to try to confront her about it because I feel like she might attack me and make me feel victimized. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't think it's necessary for me to talk to her about it. I've written her a couple of letters and burned them, you know, just to try to get it off my chest. Um, and I am really working towards healing that relationship, even though she may not hear those words from me, she senses it. Yeah. She senses it. And her and I have been connecting a little more recently. We've never been real close. We don't call each other on the phone like a lot of people do. Um, but she's been reaching out more. She's been sending me little gifts. I've been sending her things. I feel like um, energetically that relationship is healing. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I mean, I can't I, I can't blame her. I know she was afraid of my dad. We all were, you know. And I know... Um, the way she was raised as um, women are, are basically like uh, posse- under the they're, they're basically like possessions of the men yeah <laughs> yeah you know and i felt kind of like a possession growing up um, and and so she f- that's how she feels about herself and her own personal power. And that's kind of sad, you know, but I think she's grown too throughout her life. And I, I like to think she's stronger and happier now than she was. And
0: that's one thing that, um, we can wrap this up here soon, but sure. that's one thing that by doing this podcast, I've had a couple episodes where I talk, you know, like in the beginning, I, I shared my story of overcoming and my abuse. And then a couple episodes after that, I had my dad on, my adopted dad and he talked about some of the things that he went through. And he ta- also talked about a lot of the things that happened while I was in his house. And, um, wow. and so we talk ab- a lot about like the abuse again and with him. And, um, and then, uh, just recently I had my uh, adopted brother on his son. He was on the podcast and we talked, we were just kind of laughing, joking, but we were talking about our trauma that we had gone through. And some of the comments were interesting because like one person was like, I like you guys, but I, I don't understand how you guys can just joke about this. This makes me angry. And, you know, to hear some of the things that we had gone through. Yep. And one of, I, I just always found that interesting because for one, I'm not, I mean, like, I'm not the kind of person that will typically hold things against people. I try to like, just let it go and then move on and, and try to find light in, in the whole situation. Yeah. Um, and I guess that's probably like my like coping mechanism. Yep. Um, but it's interesting to hear like other people say that because that's the kind of world we live in where people, if somebody does you wrong, then, then they disown you for the rest of time. Yeah. And I think it's really important that you highlighted your relationship with your mom and how you didn't just disown her and you're not like, you know, fuck her and her relation, your relationship with her. You, you are actively trying to you know, make it better regardless of the fact that all this, she allowed all this stuff to happen to you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I definitely, um, I think that's a huge part of healing is allowing yourself to forgive and have compassion for, for others, including the people who harmed you or knew about you being harmed and did nothing about it. Um, and I also think along the lines of what you were just saying, I think that is, it's actually important for us to, have our trauma be triggered and to recognize that we need to do something about it. And so like that guy that got angry, that's a good thing. I think that's a blessing that he was angry because that shows him that he has unresolved feelings inside of him that he needs to address and whether he wants to journal about it or get a therapist or work out or, you know, like whatever mechanism he uses, find a way to get through it, find a way to get through it because it doesn't go away. And I think that would be like my biggest message I would want to give to the viewers is your trauma doesn't ever just go away. If you do nothing about it. I was in my young twenties. I remember thinking life is perfect, life is great, and sometimes I didn't feel like it was, but I swept it under the rug. I swept yeah. it under the rug until when I was 28, the rug came flying out from under me and I felt miserable. I'm like, my I'm not happy with my marriage, I'm not happy with my life, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, I thought everything was perfect because I was pretending it was, you know? But I had this trauma that was affecting me every day that I didn't even recognize, you know? So when you get a trigger, if something triggers you, instead of avoiding it like most people wanna do, look right at it and be like why does that bother me you know just like with that sexual abuse like when I saw other girls being sexually abused it bothered me so much like I was just like whoa this hits home like I don't know why but I'm triggered right now and now I know why and now I can move through that and release it you know and move on and hopefully help other people to move on, you know, because it is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. You don't just say, okay, I'm done with that. It's over. No, feelings are going to keep coming back and you need to keep releasing them and cutting the cord and journaling about it and accepting, you know, like don't just wish it all away because it doesn't just go away instantly. But when you allow yourself the time to process it and, you know, when we were, when I was abused, I was a kid, same with you. Like, we weren't mature enough to really understand those feelings or to fully process them, you know? And so it was just like this miserable, lonely place where nobody was nurturing us or giving us what we needed emotionally. Um, In my family, like we didn't talk about emotions, you know, like that was pretty typical back then. Um, And, I think we've come a long way you know i've talked to my kids about emotions and they're good at expressing their feelings and i love that i love that how the world is changing to be more sensitive um but yeah i think that it's really important to just be accepting of all our feelings and to recognize that just because we're angry or sad does not mean we should run away from it you know go drink or you know do what you have to do it to escape it it means lean into it and go to that dark
0: place Mm -hmm. you know your shadow it's it's scary to go to that dark place but it's extremely important to find who you are as a person and why you're having those feelings and how you can work through them
1: exactly yeah you need yeah. to go to the dark place you do don't dwell in it too long no, i definitely don't no. recommend that no. um but but be there feel it And then let yourself release those feelings once you recognize that you don't need to feel that way anymore. You know, like we, I'm not a victim anymore. I'm not, nobody's hurting me. I'm safe. I'm, you know, like reminding yourself of these things are important. Yeah. Especially when you're trying to get grounded. Like I am, you know, I'm safe, I'm secure, I'm protected. And I am my own protector. And that's something that I think is really important too, is to recognize that I am in control of screening the men that enter my life, you know, if I'm going to date someone, which I'm not dating anyone right now, just (laughs) going through all this is enough, you know, like, um, but I am learning that I can trust men again. Like I am learning that I've attracted the men that I have for reasons they've been teaching me. Um, but that ultimately I will find someone who treats me with gentle kindness and respect and nurturing and all the things I want, because that's what I'm putting into myself now, you know, like really, really focusing on nurturing myself and, and loving myself the way that I want to be loved, you know? And um,
0: You definitely get what you put in. Yeah. And, you know, you get what what you put into your own life.
1: Yeah, you do. And yeah. then you attract it from the rest of the world. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey. It's interesting because, like, as a child, I was super angry. I mean, most people probably would not peg me that because I'm mostly just happy nowadays. Um, but, like, you know, I, I was... Angry, and I would just beat the crap out of my brothers. (laughs) And, or boys at school, boys were my target. You know, like (laughs) they would tease me. You know, if a boy would call me a name or whatever, I'd kick him, I'd pull his hair, like whatever. I had so much rage that just needed to come out and it's like it's just interesting to see how far I've come from that little girl who was just tormented and angry and hurt all the time to you know somebody who's really gone through this full spectrum of growth to be way more balanced and happy and um, centered and just feeling and and also just now like I feel like I really am attracting like good people into my life now that I've really worked on myself so much in the last few years, like I've worked on self-love and self-acceptance and I'm finding more people that love me and accept me, you know, like Mm, just entering my life magically, you know, oh, I got new friends. I got new people I'm working with or whatever. Um, everyone, it is interesting how I am reflecting that back, you know, my insides back out into the world with the people I meet and the things I'm doing. And yeah, it's interesting. It, that is
0: very interesting. And it I mean they they say all the time like, you know, you will attract. It's kind of the the law of attraction. It is. <clears throat> exactly. You attract who who you are you attract what you put into the world. And Yeah. I think that's awesome. That's incredible that you're able to do that.
1: Yep. And I mean it's an ongoing journey. It's not like I'm done, but I feel like I've come so far. There's some times where I think, okay, I think I'm done now.
0: <laughs> You're <laughs> never done. I'm never going to be done. done. I'm never
1: going to be done. I never want to be done. I want to keep no. growing. I want to live till I'm 120. <laughs> and I want to keep growing my whole life. And I want to keep learning my whole life. You yeah. know, I'd love to learn an instrument when I'm 90. Like yeah,
0: That's something that isn't really, like, I mean, isn't really talked about. Because, like, back in, like, your, probably your parents' generation and my parents' generation... Like you got a good job and then you just kind of settled into life and you just coasted. Mm -hmm. And then the whole idea of like getting a retirement and you retire and you could just sit around the house and do nothing. It's like, it's an ambition killer because you don't strive to be better whatsoever. You just go to your job that you hate every single day. You shut up, do your job, come home and eat dinner and go to sleep. Yeah. Watch TV or whatever. Yep. And a lot of people don't focus on themselves they don't focus on learning something new or practicing or working out or just trying to reading or doing things that would make them a better person every single day yeah
1: or like playing exploring yeah you know doing things that nurture our inner child like a lot of adults don't think about those things but they're so important painting you know like I think yeah it's all good stuff um Keeping life interesting, keep yeah. keeping alive. You know, like what does it mean to be alive for me? It's it's action. You know,
0: <laughs> yeah, and pro.
1: You know, some kind of progress. Yeah. You know, so y- you don't feel alive unless you have some kind of progress. If you feel stagnant, you're feeling stuck. You're feeling like something's not right. You know, and it's true. Yeah, and if you're feeling that way, it's true because something's not right because you should be moving. Right. You know, we all should right. continue to grow and. Yeah. Yeah. It's like someone had done the analogy of like a plant. Like, if a plant's not growing, it's dying. And I was, that's basically with us. If we're not growing, we're dying. And I was like, whoa, that's intense, but true. I think it's kind of true.
0: That is true. Yeah. Yeah. And somewhere around. 40, 50 years old for a lot of people is when people start slowly dying. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, that midlife crisis time. Yeah. People are like, what's my purpose, you know? Yeah. I feel like a lot of people are searching for their purpose earlier on in, in life these days, which I think is beautiful. I think so. And I think it's great. And I and I don't think we necessarily have to have just one purpose. But I think it's important for people to feel like there is a purpose, you know, and to to recognize that they are contributing to the world to make it a better place. Well, I think
0: a lot of people find purpose in like religion. And um, that was something that was kind of big in the past. And it's something that's not so big anymore. So now it's causing a lot of people to look within for their purpose. I mean, if you look, there's a lot more like yoga studios and um, sp- more spiritual centers and people are focusing more on those type of things now because they don't have a purpose and they need to find their purpose. And then through finding their purpose, they're finding their healing journey and yes. it's causing them to be better people. And it's it just, it's a uh, progress it is. in society. It's, it's interesting to watch.
1: It is. It's a beautiful thing.
0: Yeah. Um. Is there anything else you want to talk about before we wrap this up?
1: don't think so. Um,
0: if you could put one message out there for maybe somebody who's gone through some of the same things you've gone through, um, or even they're possibly going through something that you've gone through or something that is traumatic in their life at this moment, in this period of time, what would you say to them?
1: I would say you're not alone. There are people out there to help you, and there's a lot of people who have gone through similar situations. And so, you know, a lot of times abuse can make us feel alone because during that time period we couldn't tell anyone and we felt isolated in our abuse. But the reality is now we are not alone and there are people that can support us and we just have to reach out, you know, find a, find a good therapist, find a good friend who understands, um, or I'm sure there's um, chat lines and different you know things online that you can find chat rooms or whatever. Um, but I would definitely, and I definitely would say, don't underestimate the power of energetic healers like Ken Lloyd and Megan from Goddess Goals, um, and my friend Cindy. Oh, I forgot her last name. Freeman. Cindy Freeman also did some energy work with me. All three of these people. Um, have abilities that at first you might not even believe, but it's real. And they are really helpful in situations like this. Um, but if you're not into that, you know, therapists, therapy, there's a million different types of therapies out there that are all really beneficial. But I would just say do yourself a favor and let other people help you because you, it's hard to do anything alone. Like I said, we're not here alone on this planet. And there's a reason we're here with others because we're meant to support each other and learn from each other. So, but I also would say there's light at the end of the tunnel. You know, there was a time where I was miserable and I didn't feel like it was ever going to be easy. It was life is hard kind of a scenario in my head. And as long as you keep telling yourself life is hard, life will continue to be hard. And it's and it can feel like you can't get out but when you recognize the that there is help and there is transformation then you can see there's light at the end of the tunnel and life doesn't have to be hard
0: i love it it's beautiful thanks for doing this yeah, this was our second you. time doing it yep. but I, I actually think it was better this time yeah i think so too it, it was a a little bit i guess easier to follow um you yeah. seem more comfortable which i love yeah. I, I don't like seeing people be nervous and t- yeah. i'm like just we're just talking
1: yeah i feel like i worked through some of the nerves after that last time and yeah. i feel yeah i feel i feel more grounded and yeah i felt more ready i think today so yeah
0: you seemed like it. you were you were yeah. on fire
1: thank I, you. I love the
0: way you shared your story thank it me. was empowering and i think it will help a lot of people so thank you i hope so yeah thanks for doing this
1: yeah thank you